Have a good one. Thank you so much, Alan. Good morning, everybody. Good morning online. And good to see you all. Uh, thank you, Rana, for getting my slide up. And um, uh, a timer would be good. And Greg's pointing me this way. What does this mean, Greg? You want me to slide this way? Just a step to the left. And no steps to the right. No pelvic. Anyway, right. Yeah, I, I do have a confession to make. Um, and I'll start when the timer starts. So... Uh, <laughs> I do have a confession to make, actually. Um, the children of one, Aidan and Lindsay, wanted a puppy for a long time, and uh, I gave in. And I said, okay, reluctantly, arm twisted. And they do ask me, Dad, do you love Mambo? <laughs> and uh, I'm like, yes, I, I do love Mambo. She is a wonderful dog, despite the peas on the floor and ripping up the vinyl once again this morning in the kitchen. Another big hole in the vinyl, but I love Mambo, and uh, she's uh, a real blessing. You know, animals are God's creation, aren't they? And we experience the wonder and glory of God in all of his creation, in human beings, creation, nature, streams and rivers. And there's no timer, so I'm going to uh, just, uh, hopefully, if not, I'll uh, just keep my on my clock right. Yeah, if you can get that working, guys, that's really helpful for me, uh, just so I can... I want to talk this morning on walking in victory, and uh, in today's message, we're going to look at the battle that rages continually in every single Christian life, and how can you have victory? There's a battle uh, for desires going on inside every Christian. There's a battle for your heart's desires. There's an internal battle going on for your highest love. Um, but there is good news. There is a way to live in freedom and victory. There's a way to live our lives that gives you a solid foundation and internal transformation, leading to a life that looks like a thriving tree planted by streams of living water that bears the most delicious and beautiful fruit in every single season. We're going to discover to win the battle, to live a life of love and peace and strength. We need to learn how to walk by the Spirit, how to walk by love, and how to crucify the flesh. And both are essential for the disciple of Jesus and for a life, life, <laughs> life that is resilient, blessed, and fruitful. And our reading today is Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 to 26. If you have a Bible, open with me to Galatians chapter 5. New Testament, latter third, last third or so. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, then Galatians, then the big five, means chapter five, and then the wee number is verse 13, and it says, for you were called to freedom, brothers, let's include sisters, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. 
for the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Can we say word? Word. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you're not consumed by one another. But I say walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for they are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Verse 19. Now, the works of the flesh, here's this long list, ugly lists, uh, we have here are evident sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger. Sound like TikTok now, isn't it? Rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But, thank God for the buts in the Bible, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another envying one another. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you for the privilege and honor of having your word and giving it to us and speak to us today through it, we pray and ask in Jesus' name. So, in our passage described a uniquely Christian battle. This is uniquely Christian, this one, because the battle is desires which both want to influence you, guide you, and they both want you to act in a certain way. There's a battle for your highest love. And there's two combatants in this battle, the flesh and the spirit. And we're not talking about the physical human flesh, the body here. It's a reference to our fallen condition, our internal lower nature or sinful nature, it can be called. And the spirit is referring to the Holy Spirit. And it's mentioned seven times in this small passage. And a battle that is fierce and unrelenting is described inside Christians. It's the battle that goes on inside believers. Unbelievers don't have the same battle. Of course, they may battle with their moral conscience, but the Christian battle is one between the desires of the flesh and the desires of the spirit. And the desires, we're told, are in opposition to one another. The battle is for your highest love. Who and what will be your first love? God or self? 
God or things? It's a battle really for our worship. What will we worship? What will receive our first love? Time, energy, focus, meditation, thoughts. And idols are simply anything we love that we put our hope and trust in more than God. And even secular writers know that this false worship destroys us. David Foster Wallace, a professor and writer, sadly committed suicide at 46 years of age in 2008, struggling with 20 years of depression. But look at his phenomenal insight. This is from an atheist. Because here's something else, quoting David Foster Wallace, else it's weird but true. In the day-to-day trenches of adult life, there is actually no such thing as atheism. There is no such thing as not worshipping. Everybody worships. The only choice is we get, we get is what to worship. If you worship money and things, if they're where you tap real meaning in life, then you'll never have enough, never feel you have enough. It's the truth. Worship your body and beauty and sexual allure, and you will always feel ugly. And when time and age start showing, you will die a million deaths before they finally plant you. Worship power. You will end up feeling weak and afraid, and you will never need ever more and more over others to numb you to your own fear. Worship your intellect. Being seen as smart, you will end up as feeling stupid, a fraud, always on the verge of being found out. David Foster Wallace, what incredible insight into we all worship. It's a choice of what and who we worship. So what will we worship? Who will we worship? God or idols? We have the desires of the flesh. We have two combatants. We have the desires of the spirit. And one set leads us, uh, one set of desires that leads us to love God, love others, and love self. And the other set of desires is purely about loving self at the expense of everything else. And these desires, they're very subtle, they're very sneaky, and very hidden. They hide in our motives but they're nonetheless real and powerful. And this passage is to Christians and about Christians. You wonder, how can great Christian leaders fall? How can great Christian leaders do that? How can ones professing Christians end up doing this, that, and the next thing? This passage is helping us to understand about Christianity. The battle is for freedom. You see, Jesus came to set us free, to give us freedom and victory from the power of sin to be the children of God. But here's a, here's a revelation. Are you ready for it? This sinful nature remains after you're a Christian. Sorry to disappoint you dudes. <laughs> but this sinful nature remains, and we do not get free from its desires this side of heaven. We don't. True freedom for the Christian is found in Father's house, following 
Father's desires. The Spirit gives us the desires to love Father, love others, and love self. It's all about love. The Spirit gives us love. The flesh is obsessed with self. It puts self above all else, and it says that true freedom is found in following the desires of your flesh. It says, don't suppress the desires of the flesh. Oh, no, you don't want to do that. Don't do that. That would be bad, detrimental to your health, your mental health, and your well-being. Don't ever deny the desires of your flesh. Follow the desires of your flesh. Gratify is the message of Babylon, is the message of the world, is the message of the culture. Never, ever suppress or desire. Give in to it. Whatever you desire or feel or want, go after it. That's the message that we hear. Remember, Peter Hall talked about the unholy trinity, the three enemies. He talked about the world. That's the culture and power of the world and the message it's constantly sending. He talked about the devil. And then the third one that we're looking at today is the flesh. And the devil and the world, the culture of the world, appeals to the flesh. So we're in a battle. We're in a battle. And that's why Ephesians 6 is all about we need to be armed for the battle. We need to be ready. We need to fight the good fight. We need to take up our spiritual weapons. We can't be asleep. We need to be awake and alert to the battle that we're in. The world says go after uh, whatever you want, whatever you desire, and look at the fruit of where that is leading us. Look at the fruit and people's physical lives, mental lives, emotional lives. Look at the mess and the trail of disaster. That isn't working. It certainly isn't. Galatians and Christians, the desires of the flesh, they're not dead. They're very much alive. You know this. I know this. That's the reality. That's our experience, and it's the truth of the Word of God as well. Because 5 verse 17, two Christians about Christians, describes the battle. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. That's what goes on. You've got the Holy Spirit. But there's desires of the flesh that are against, that are opposed to that. And desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. They are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Anyone ever, anyone ever experienced that? Being kept from doing the things you want to do. The good you know you should do, you want to do, but you find yourself unable or not able or not willing or never getting around to doing the things that you want to do. It's very similar to the frustration that Paul describes in Romans 7 verse 18. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability, not the power to carry it out. But Romans 7, Paul was describing his experience of trying in the flesh. Important, listen to me. Paul was describing in Romans 7, trying in the flesh without the Spirit to please God. And he realizes, as you will realize, and as I realize, it's impossible. But he then goes on in Romans 8 to teach the incredible difference that the power of the Holy Spirit don't ever read Romans 7 and stop. Always, if, you're, if your daily devotional leads you to end at Romans 7, keep going and end at Romans 8. Because Romans 7 gives us the frustration of trying to live in the flesh without the Spirit. Romans 8 is all about the hope and the victory and the power of grace and truth and the Spirit in our lives. 
Verse 13, Romans 8, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. I thought you were come to talk about the fruits of the Holy Spirit, for goodness sake. Goodness sake, like an up, dude. <laughs> I mean, we, we get a lot of passages and uh, themes and topics and, and sermon series on the fruits of the Spirit, don't we? But it often separates it from its context. The fruit of the Spirit only makes context within the context of the desires of the flesh, the desires of the Spirit that are in opposition to one another. And the very next verse after the fruit of the Spirit talks about crucifying the flesh. <laughs> Let's have a 10-week series on crucifying the flesh. Hashtag mortificate, mortify my flesh. Not very common, is it? It wouldn't be very popular. wouldn't really um, go viral on TikTok, that one. <laughs> but we need the whole counsel of the Word of God. We need the whole truth of the Word of God. It's the truth that sets us free. So we see that there's a dual requirement in Romans 8 which is on your screen there, uh, a dual requirement for life. We see an important thing coupling together. Do you notice the coupling together? There's two things in there, and they're coupled together. They're tied together, united in that verse on your screen. The coupling together of being empowered by the Spirit to do something. To do what? To put to death the deeds of the body. They're together. They both go hand in hand. You shouldn't separate from one from another. I can hear Tim's dad uh, going, amen, brother, amen, preach it, come on. <laughs> I, I hear your dad giving me an amen because he says the church doesn't talk enough about taking up your cross daily. Follow me and you, uh, if you want to be my disciples. Galatians is similar in the coupling together as Romans. And you see that in the passage we read in Galatians, there's the same coupling together of walking by the Spirit. You've got the fruits of the Spirit. What's the very next verse? And crucifying the flesh with its passions and desires. Both are essential for life. As I said, we hear a lot about the Holy Spirit, a lot about the fruit of the Spirit, a lot of sermon series on uh, nice, colorful fruits of the Spirit, but not so much about self-denial. Not so much about mortification and crucifying the flesh. Hashtag mortification. Doesn't really go viral, that one. Those hashtags are not so popular. Not very common. Well, in certain dark circles it might be. But both are essential and necessary for the disciple of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus died for our freedom. He wants us to live in freedom. He wants us to live in victory. But to do that, he needs us to know the truth of the battle that we're in. We can ignore the battle. We can deny its truth. We can think it's unpleasant, unpalatable, not very nice truth. And we can try to ignore it at our peril. And the fruit will follow in our lives. And it won't be the fruit of the Spirit. It'll be the works of the flesh. We're... Are we in a hopeless situation? Is it hopeless? Is there any hope? Will the flesh always keep us from doing what we want to do? Will Romans 7 always not able to do what we want to do? Is that the, the experience that Jesus has planned for us? Will we always lack the ability to carry out our desires to do what is good and right and pleasing to God? Well, no, there is amazing good news. Because Jesus died on the cross, 
by faith we were crucified with him and he paid the price for our sins he forgave us he adopted you he made you completely righteous that's right with God by grace alone it was a free gift you didn't have to earn it through your faith alone you didn't have to earn it you didn't have to work hard it was simply by your faith he enabled you to become a temple a dwelling place a residence of the Holy Spirit God's Spirit he gave us himself his Holy Spirit as a powerful person not a powerful force I've heard a, a little series recently about this powerful force that always sounded as if they're describing a magic genie that gives you whatever you want he didn't give you a magic force a powerful force he gave you a powerful person of the Holy Spirit that's a part of the Trinity the Godhead God is powerful he's a person not a force he has feelings and emotions and personality and love much more than a force a powerful person to live inside you as your personal helper your PA you have a PA a personal assistant in Greek it's the parakletos PA para PA parakletos okay you've got a personal PA personal parakletos a helper one called alongside you uh, there's nothing better than a PA who's alongside you eh <laughs> to help you but you need someone you've forgotten someone you're kind of the printer working nothing better than your own parakletos by your side God's Spirit. And Galatians 5 teaches us that victory in a life of victory is possible. Walk by the Spirit. But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not, there's the victory, gratify the desires of the flesh. That tells us you will have desires of the flesh. Don't feel weird. Don't feel abnormal. Don't feel a failure. Don't feel ashamed or embarrassed or uh, like you're some weirdo because you have desires of the flesh. You're human. You're normal. You're real. <laughs> the truth is, though, if you have the Spirit of God, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Yes, you will have them. Yes, you will feel them. But you do not have to give in to them. They do not need to control your life. You can have victory. Can I hear an amen? amen? The Passion Translation, as you yield freely and fully to the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit, you will abandon the cravings of your sinful self. So we have, the Christians have the desires of the flesh and they work their way into your minds. Now, on Friday, I was driving to King's Seat to meet my dad for a walk and there was a tricyclist stuck on the side of the road. There was cars coming and I had to slow down and I had to pass them slowly. And I'm going to tell you the truth, I'm going to confess that my initial response was one of annoyance. So I forget, this was just like subconscious thoughts and, and that went through my mind, for goodness sake, who's this nutter on the side of the road, I've got to slow down. I wasn't even in a rush, was he? Yeah, I was not even in a rush, I was early. So I, for goodness sake, I've got to slow down, I'll have to go around the outside. And as I'm going around the outside, it was almost like the flesh started to kick in. I wonder if that, that guy's okay. So you, so this is all subconscious going on, and I'm like, roll, I was going to say roll the window down, how old am I, eh? Stop the tape recorder, tried to rewind it with my pen, roll the window down. Excuse me, sir, everything all right? You okay? 85-year-old Bob, I'm all right, son. You're stopped. What's happening? Jane came off. I've sorted it. It's cool. I'm good. You need a wee lift, Bob? No. 
I'm all good. Sure. Everything all right? I'm sure. Drove on. Parked in King's seat. Went on my dad. Put the window down. The other window. <laughs> on the phone to Tim. This tricyclist goes past the window. It's Bob. It's Bob. I waved. Bob, are you okay? And uh, he went past. He reversed. I don't know how he reversed. Somehow he reversed. <laughs> and uh, he came and chatted at the window. So I'm parked on the road, and then there's Bob, and the cars are having to go all the way around. I'm like, Bob, just go in front of the car, please, and I'll come out and talk to you. And for half an hour, he kept me there. I said, you're, my goodness, you're fat. If you don't mind me asking, how old are you? Uh, 85, son. Goodness sake, you're fat. Where you been? I, I cycled for Kelty down the turn. I needed to pick up whatever he was picking up. I said, you're fat. He says, well, I'm getting there. Eventually, I, I, what do you mean? Ten years ago, anyway, he went on to tell me about the drunk driver. His disabled wife was sitting next to him. This uh, drunk driver smashed into them. His wife was trapped in the car five and a half hours. Had to cut the roof, cut her out, uh, try and get her out. Like he said, the last 10 years of our life were miserable, son. Absolutely miserable, the pain and all the... And he went on. My dad came and they ended up talking and they were in the same dockyard, the same... And they knew all these different people. <laughs> and we couldn't get out. He was desperate for fellowship. And the reason that I say this is because I want to use it as an illustration. The interruptions are beautiful opportunities. And the Spirit of God is inside us. And I could have felt so rotten about myself and go, oh, I'm such a miserable human being. Might as well just drive on now. Uh, you know, like beeping my horn. Hey, you cyclists, get off the road. Give me a cycle, I could have followed through on that whole train of thought. But the Spirit of God comes and reminds us, walk in love, son. <laughs> it's all subconscious. Walk in love, son. Give him a lift. Check he's all right. He's maybe in need. And all the time while he's talking to me, this voice is saying, don't rush. Don't rush him. Take your time. Because <laughs> we get impatient now, don't we? We want everything in 15 seconds. Can you summarize that story about the, the crash in 15 seconds for me, Bob? I'm a TikTok generation, mate. Hey, I've not got 10 minutes for your story. Like TikTok, eh? 15 seconds. Just summarize. Just, you know, give me the bullets, Niba. <laughs> the Holy Spirit's going, take your time. So I'm practicing my slow breathing. It's all right, Bob. It's all right. And it was just, he, he said, thank you, son. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time. We've got his address. He says, we're coming in for tea. He says, we'll phone you. I can't hear the phone, son. We'll, we'll knock the door. We'll knock the door, Bob. Do you drink tea? No. Nope. Coffee? No. Nope. What do you drink? Water. We'll come for water. <laughs> We've got the desires of the flesh. They end up as thoughts in the mind. They grow, and if they're not dealt with, they give birth to the works of the flesh. And if we gratify them, that is satisfy them by giving into them and following them. And the works of the flesh follow, which is the ugly list in verses 19 to 21. And Paul ends the list with, and things like these. Not complete. He knows the culture's going to change and evolve. <laughs> and, uh, but there's things like these. Uh, it's, it's, uh, there's, there's much more that's going on. My last four or five minutes, I'm having a look at my notes. 
And I, you know, this, this short passage of Galatians, I think it's going to take me at least three or four to unpack. There's so much in it. And I'm reluctant just to dive into the fruit of the Holy Spirit and say, hey, guys, this is how you should walk. Just, just be loving. <laughs> just be kind. Just be patient. And then you're like, well, I'm struggling. I try to be patient, but I struggle with my patience. To learn to walk in the Spirit. Live in the Spirit. Be led by the Spirit and keep in step. Four different ways Paul uses to describe what does it mean to walk in the Spirit? It means to walk as Jesus walked. How did Jesus walk? He walked in the power of the Holy Spirit. How did Jesus walk? He was led by the Spirit. So being led by the Spirit is almost like a passive sensitivity, like putting your wind into the sail. The Spirit is blowing and it wants to lead us and guide us and whisper to us and prompt us and speak to that guy at the side of the road and you can follow and be led by the Spirit. But then you have to walk in the Spirit. Walk is a personal choice that you decide to do. But then you need to keep in step with the Spirit. That's different. That's not going out of step. It's keeping it the step. And you know, when Jesus walked, he tended to walk slowly through the crowd. Most of incredible stories about Jesus were interruptions. <laughs> but Jesus walked slowly, so to keep in step with the Spirit, guess what? Back to that message, we need to ruthlessly eliminate hurry and go at His pace. Because when we're doing too much and going too fast, it appeals not to the Holy Spirit, but to the flesh. Have you noticed you struggle with your flesh most when you're hurried and stressed and got too much on in your life. I want you to start a, not a to-do list, I want you to start a stop doing list. <laughs> Simplify your life. What do you need to stop doing? If you're doing too much, you're not, it's going to be the fruit of the Spirit because we need to keep in step with the Spirit. We need to keep in step with the Spirit. I'm going to have to kind of finish halfway through. I knew this would be at least a three-part series. I've got to, I want to elaborate on what does that mean to crucify the flesh? I mean, the crucifixion, Jesus, that's, that's a really ugly punishment for the worst of criminals. And Jesus and Paul choose that word and analogy and picture describe what we should do to the desires of the flesh. Why? And how? And what does it mean? What does it mean to walk in the Spirit? What does it mean to keep in step with the Spirit? What does it mean to be led by the Spirit? And how can we walk in such a way that we plant ourselves in the correct soil of living that the fruit of the Spirit can grow and become like trees planted by streams of living water that bear fruit? In every season. I've got a lot more work to do. I'm sorry I didn't jump just straight into the, the fruit of the Spirit, but we must understand there is a battle going on. But here's the truth. Galatians 5.16. Could I ask you a homework? Memorize Galatians 5.16. If we walk by the Spirit, we will not gratify. Let me see if I can find it on here. There it is there. 
walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Can you just put that song in right now? I'm going to just close in a prayer, and then we'll get the band back up. I don't know what song you've got. I think it's appropriate, George, but I think it should be a victorious, uplifting one, one from your set. There's plenty in there. Thank you, George. Thank you, Katie. Thank you, Roland, who have I missed. Tim, thank you. No, I'm not just doing that, the pastoral, but I genuinely mean thank you. Thank you for your commitment. Thank you for walking in the Spirit and leading us and guiding us in Spirit this morning. I don't know about you, the Spirit was in our worship this morning. He was ministering. And that's why the Sabbath, not just Old Testament, oh, that's Old Testament, we no longer need the Sabbath anymore. All right, good luck, we're never having a day of rest. Good luck with that one. I don't need to go to church every week. No, there's not by law. You get to be church every single week. You get to be around the people of God. You have the desires of the flesh. We say, stay in bed. There's a really good film on. Netflix has got a really good series. See if you can watch it 24 seven every other single day of the week. <laughs> Desire the spirit is to be around the people of God. Sometimes you have to walk in the spirit. I say, I'm going to church, don't feel like it. Don't feel like it today. Don't feel like it today. Hope nobody smiles at me because I'll not be smiling back. That's all right. Come as you are. Come as you are. Join the other miserable souls. It's all right. <laughs> We're miserable together. And together, the Spirit, when two or three are gathered, there He is in the midst. Let's just pray. Stand to our feet. George, let's get the band back up. Just when I finish this prayer, just hand over to the band. Let's keep that playing in the background. Could you just open your hands? Alan started us off. Thank you, Alan. You led us off in inviting the Holy Spirit. Let's, let's repeat what Alan prayed. Just say, come, Holy Spirit. Just, just say that prayer. Just say, come, Holy Spirit. You love me, God. You're for me, God. You want freedom and victory. You want my life to be like a tree that's planted by streams of living water. You don't want me to have regrets in next year, regrets in five years, regrets in 10 years. That's why you've given us your spirit. And that's why we should follow the fruit and the guidance of the spirit. We should be led and walk in the spirit and keep in step with the spirit. So you won't have regrets because you won't regret loving God. You won't regret loving people. You won't. But you will have regrets of the flesh when the flesh makes decisions. So God, we pray. Just say, fill me today. Fill me today, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, make me sensitive to your wind. Make me sensitive to your voice. Make me sensitive to your promptings. Open my ears, God, that I may hear. Open my eyes that I may see. Would you teach me, Lord, to walk in the Spirit? 
you teach me to receive the Holy Spirit? Would you teach me to be still and know that you're God? Would you teach me to wait for those who wait will gain new strength? So receive new strength. You're waiting just now. Take that promise and say, I receive new strength right now. Run and not grow weary. Walk and not faint. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. I will give you rest. We thank you, Jesus, for your rest. We love you, Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father.